Well, it's always good to be in person with you guys and uh, to be with the folks that are watching online, whether you're at home or wherever you may be, wherever you may be in the world. It's uh, good to have you with us. Hey, have you guys noticed that it seems like everything is individualistic anymore, that we're all about our individual rights, um, our individual um, choices, even to the point where it's, it's really about an individual identity, that it's all about me, my, and I, instead of we, our, and us. Have you noticed that? Um, I, I wonder, though, could we have it all wrong? Could we have it all wrong? Could it be that it's not supposed to be about me, but about we, specifically when it comes to identity? Could, could it be that if we're to experience and, and understand our core identity in this life, that we actually have to die? Well, we're in a series called In Christ Jesus. This is the fourth week of five. And what we're doing is we're exploring what the God of the Bible has to say about our identity, what it could be and what it should be. And to do that, we're in Ephesians chapter one, and we've been looking at um, verses one through 14. And so this morning, we're gonna focus on verses seven through 10. So if you wanna follow along in your church Bible, it's page 1156, 1156. I always like to keep things in their proper context. So I'm gonna begin at verse one and read through 10 if you wanna follow along with me. It begins this way, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. And now this is a section that we're going to focus on, beginning in verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Now, I don't know if you caught this as we were reading through these verses, but I didn't see any me, my, or I. There, there were no me's, my's, or I's in there. You know what, what I saw? We, our, and us. We, our, and us. Look again, verses 7 through 10. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses or our sins, depending on your translation, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time 
to unite all things, all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. You know, when you, you read that, according to God, our identity is, is not about me, my, and I, but, but it's about we, our, and us. And, and what you see here, too, is that at the core, our core identity is a shared identity. Our core identity is a shared identity. We are either in Christ Jesus or we are not. It is a shared identity. You are either in Christ Jesus, we are either in Christ Jesus, or we are not. Those are your two options as far as your core identity goes. Now, um, as we look at this, it, it has major effects, major ramifications and implications to our lives. And three things stand out in this passage, specifically in verses 7 through 10. It has to do with our redemption, our forgiveness, and our unity. Redemption, forgiveness, and unity are all wrapped up in your identity, whether you are in Christ Jesus or not. Let's start with um, redemption. So verse 7 says, In him we have redemption through his blood. So this redemption he's speaking about comes through the blood of Jesus Christ. We have redemption through the blood of Jesus. Now, to redeem, um, if you're not familiar with this, to redeem is to really exchange one thing for another, right? And so we're familiar with coupons. We, we get the coupons, like if you go to Kroger, right, and you're checking out, all these coupons start printing out, right? Well, the idea is that if you take this coupon to the cashier, you can't do it then, right? You know, they want you to come back, so then, anyhow. The, uh, but you take your coupon, and you take it to the cashier, and you exchange that coupon for money back on that specific item, right? So we redeem the coupon. We give something, and we get something back. Now, another view that they... That may be a little different than you automatically think about redemption has to do with ransom. Ransom, we actually just sang about ransom. And so it's this idea when somebody has been kidnapped, their captors typically demand a ransom. They demand that you give them money in exchange for the freedom of the person, right? Until then, they're going to hold them captive, until you give the ransom, they will not be redeemed. They will not be returned to you. And, and have you watched the news lately? This is, this is real. This is something that we're dealing with a lot. In Central and South America, lots of people are, are being kidnapped and held captive, waiting for a ransom, waiting for those people to be redeemed. Our own Connie Castro, who comes to the second service, she's from Colombia. Three of her relatives had been kidnapped and held until the ransom could be paid. Three of them. Three of them. This is something that's very real. Now, um, it also applies, really, to all of humanity. If you go all the way back in time, back to Adam and Eve, we, we see something similarly happening to them with Satan. Satan lured Adam and Eve away from God the Father, he fed them lies and deceit. And so what he did in essence was he introduced sin into their lives, sin into the world. And when they, they took the bait, right, when, when they entered into that sin, they became captives of Satan, captives of their own sin. 
And ever since then, every one of us, every man, woman, and child that's ever been born, that has ever lived, has been born into captivity. We've all been born into captivity, and we are in need of rescue. We need someone to provide a ransom so that we can be set free from our captivity, from our sin, from Satan himself. Well, that ransom has been provided by God through the lifeblood of Jesus Christ. That is the only ransom that would set us free. And that's what we see taking place in this passage here. Now, that's a high price to pay for our freedom. It's a high price to pay that one person would have to die for another to be set free. But because God so loved the world, because God so loved us, he is willing to sacrifice, to send and to sacrifice his one and only son, Jesus Christ. And that through faith in him, all that, that believe in him, place their faith in him, would not perish forever, but actually experience eternal life. That's how much God loves us. But, but here's the thing. This word believe there, if you look at John 3.16, and it uses the word believe, it's a little tricky because it, it doesn't simply mean that you, you acknowledge that Jesus lived. It, it's more than that. To, to truly believe in, in this context with, with regard to um, redemption, it, it's more than even believing that Jesus was God in the flesh. No, it, it's, it's a belief that leads to your own death, your willingness to die to your own sin, your own self, and your own selfishness. It, it's it's, it's a, a, an incredible kind of, kind of belief. Galatians 2.20 states it this way, and I think it's, it's beautifully captured by Paul here. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. See, that's the kind of belief that is required for redemption. That's the kind of belief you have to be, you have to have if you're going to be in Christ Jesus. If you want to be redeemed, set free, rescued from captivity, you have to believe to the point of death. You have to identify with Jesus Christ in his death. We must identify with Jesus in his death. And that means we got to put to death the me, my, and I. Me, my, and I has to be put to death. And we need to be willing to now live for Jesus. That means surrendering all that we have and all that we are to him. Redemption is found when we do that. And, and here's the thing. When you, when you truly do begin at, at the core of who you are to find your identity in Christ Jesus, everything changes. So what, what is important to Jesus becomes important to you. What, what Jesus says, you now say. What he did, you now do. It all goes hand in hand. So for instance, here's how it, it plays out when you're in Christ Jesus. So the things that, that Jesus believed and said, so do you. Um, Jesus said, all life, all life is sacred and it's precious. And then that means for us who are in Christ Jesus, all life 
is sacred and precious to us now. He said, every person has been fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. Therefore, when we look upon people, we need to see them as fearfully and wonderfully made in the image of God. That's every person. Every person. He specifically made statements and took stands with regard to sex and sexuality and morality. And what he said about them should be what we say about them as well, if we're truly in Christ Jesus. Um, We shouldn't be looking to be served. We should be looking to serve. We shouldn't be pushing our way to the front of the line. We should be humbly taking our place at the back of the line. Isn't that what Jesus said? Isn't that what Jesus did? When we see people dividing, we need to be doing everything in our power to bring them back together. I could go on and on. But see, that's what it looks like to be in Christ Jesus and to be about redemption, setting free, dying to self, allowing Jesus to live in and through us. See, in our core identity, if our core identity is in Christ Jesus, then we have been redeemed. We have been set free from the power and the penalty of sin. If we are not in Christ Jesus, we have not been redeemed. And we still deal as captives of Satan and sin. We are still captives. If we have not been redeemed, if we are not in Christ Jesus, the stakes are high. The stakes are high. So what we see here is that our redemption is at stake, and so is our forgiveness, our forgiveness. And and what you see taking place here is that redemption and forgiveness, they go hand in hand. They go hand in hand. Listen to verse 7 again, and then moving into verse 8. It says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses. So again, different translations may say sin according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us. He lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Man, I love the language there. Um, and I love how it reveals really the heart of God. He, he offers us forgiveness for the wrongs that we've committed. He also offers us forgiveness for the rights that we didn't do. You know, we, we do the confession at, at communion every week. And you guys remember the words, it, it begins, most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against who? You. We have sinned. Any sin is a sin against God. Most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. And see, what we see in there is incredible grace. This forgiveness that that is offered to us through Jesus Christ, it's not based on our merit. And that's what makes it all the sweeter, but all the more difficult to receive because we don't deserve his forgiveness. We don't deserve his forgiveness. And that's where his grace abounds. 
Where sin abounds, his grace abounds all the more. And I have this image in my mind of how that may look in a practical sense. So, you know, we've, some of you guys have experienced this personally, but, you know, I've, I've seen it more in, in TV shows or movies. And um, I've got this image in my mind of, of homeless people going to the soup kitchen, right? And there's this long line and they've all got their bowl and they're just, just hoping just for a little spoonful of soup. Right? And as they go through the line, um, Jesus is there, and he's the one serving out forgiveness. Instead of giving us a little spoonful of forgiveness, he lavishes us with his forgiveness. It's like you're going through, and you got your bowl, and he's got a five-gallon bucket, and he just dumps it in your bowl, right? And like it is just spilling over. It is overflowing. His forgiveness is overflowing to the point, to the point that it looks wasteful. Like that is how lavish Jesus is. That's how lavish our God is to forgive us to that level. Not just spooning out some forgiveness to some poor souls. No, he wants to lavish us with his forgiveness. Isn't that amazing? And isn't that difficult to receive? Because you know you don't deserve it. And that's the beauty of grace and the forgiveness that he offers us. See, if our core identity is in Jesus Christ, then we have been forgiven. We are being forgiven, and we will be forgiven of all our sin. And if we are not in Christ Jesus, then we have not been forgiven, and we are still having to deal with the weight and the consequences of our sin. So much is at stake when it comes to our identity of being in Christ Jesus or not. So our redemption is at stake, our forgiveness is at stake, and also our unity is at stake. Listen again to verses 9 and 10. Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan of for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Did you hear that? So, so God has revealed the mystery of his will to us. We now know the will of God, the mystery, his plan. And he says it here clearly. His plan, his will is to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. He wants to bring them all under the rule and reign of Jesus Christ. He wants to redeem his creation. He wants really to establish this one world order where Jesus is the king. Jesus is the king and no other. And in this one rule world order where Jesus is the king, guess what? There's no more sin. There's no more sadness. There's no more death, disease. There's no more evil. There's no more distance between us and God. No, it's a beautiful thing where God restores and he redeems all of his creation. It's a beautiful thing. And uh, this is the world that awaits those whose core identity 
is found in Christ Jesus. But it's not the world that awaits those who are not in Christ Jesus. See, the book of Revelation speaks of it, and it points to it. And I, I believe within each and every one of us, whether we're in Christ Jesus or not, we long for that world, don't we? I, I believe every man, woman, and child longs for that world. But the sad truth of it is, most of us aren't willing to sacrifice and to die to experience that world because we are all about me, my, and I. It's all about me, my, and I. And, and that's not how you experience that world now or forever. That it's got to be about we, our, and us. It has to be about us dying and Jesus reigning. And that doesn't just occur sometime in the future. It has to occur right here and right now. It has to mean we are willing to die to ourselves, to our selfish desires, to our intellectual ideals and ideas, that we need to be willing to set that all aside and to live for Jesus Christ. Allow him to rule and reign in our lives because one day he will rule and reign over the heavens and the earth, the unseen and the seen. And the only people that are going to be part of that world are those who are in Christ Jesus. But it's going to come at a cost right now. You've got to be willing to be crucified with Christ and no longer live, but allow Christ to come and live in you and to live through you. And that's hard. And most of us aren't willing to make that kind of sacrifice, if we're honest. And if we don't, we're not in Christ Jesus and we won't experience the world that he promises us. And so this morning, I, I want to give a, an invitation to, to everybody here and even to those online. And here's, here's what I'm going to do. Um, we're going to have some music as normal and There'll even be some prayer ministers up here if you want to come to them. But I'm going to invite everybody that if you, you choose to, to come forward and to die. Like to, to literally come forward and to bow your knee as a sign of you just surrendering your life to Jesus. And, and saying, Jesus, for far too long, it's been all about me, my, and I. And, and that's our confession. And, and then... Um, we repent and we, we turn to him, recognizing that, that he's the one that rescues us, right? He, he's the one that provides the ransom so that we can be set free. He's the one that lavishes us with his forgiveness. And we, we just soak that in. And then I want us to rise up and go back to our seats and to begin to live for Jesus Christ, set free from the bondage of sin that so often we have submitted ourselves to. And um, so if, if you're here, I, I'm going to invite you to just come forward however you feel led, wherever you feel led, and, and just do that. And then when you rise up and go back, go back as a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Um, for those at home or, or watching online somewhere, maybe, maybe you get up off the couch. Maybe you get up off, off your chair. Maybe you get out of bed. I don't know. Maybe you're driving and you just pull over. But just maybe you just get down on your knees and, and, and you, you do the same thing. 
you do the same thing. Now, I, I don't want it to seem all manipulative and coercive either, because um, I know what I'm asking you to do is really uncomfortable. So you can stay in your seat. You can bow your heart without ever getting up. But you know what? I have found, like when I'm willing to be a little uncomfortable for a God, he seems to do more powerful things in my life than when I just settle for comfort. And so it's up to you. But the invitation is this. Come and die. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you for just a powerful truth about our identity. And if we truly find our core identity in you, there's redemption. There's forgiveness. And there, there's the kind of unity that we can only dream about. So we pray right now, just simply in the name of Jesus, that you would receive us as we come and we die, that you would pour your forgiveness over us, that we would die to me, my, and I, and begin to truly live for you. We ask it all in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.